With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. the staff to Riley's. He drops back. Blue Chiefs looking for Everly. He's going. Going to the end zone. Now McDavid walks in right circle. Back to Everly. Touchdown Eskimo. One-timer score. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Time for some California dreaming for your Edmonton Oilers. Dreaming of strengthening their hold on a playoff spot. Dreaming of maybe being in first place in the Pacific Division. We'll hear from head coach Todd McClellan as we move along tonight. Henry Burris confirming what was being bandied about yesterday. He is indeed retiring after an illustrious CFL career. We'll talk about that tonight. We'll have some all-star game memories from John Garrett. You'll want to stick around for this one. An incredible story from the 1983 NHL all-star game. All ahead on Inside Sports, I want to thank the millions of people illegally listening to this show. It is 6.07, Patrick Bauer working as our studio producer this evening. You can always reach me by texting 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. Get me on Twitter, at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. All right. Uh, Owen, we're going to give away some Oil Kings tickets in a few minutes as well. And I got a doozy of a trivia question tonight, Patrick Power. Oh, this is going to be a fun one. And I'm going to be the uh, jerky version of myself that uh, makes people try to answer the trivia question on air because I'm so proud of myself for finding this. And if if the first person gets it right, I am going to be impressed. Because well, I won't I won't say anything else. But it's it, we're just going to have some fun on the show. It's a little bit of a it, it's not really related to any current events. Well, it is. I'll I'll explain that later on. It, it, it's tangentially related to some current events. Uh, so uh, so I'll, I'll get to that in a bit. But the Oilers practiced today, full practice. They were on the ice a little earlier than usual and then took off to California. So they got the Ducks tomorrow. That's on 6.30, Chad, with the face-off show at 6.30. The game will start at 8. Then the game against the Sharks is coming up on Thursday. So, of course, we'll have both. Both. So uh, you, you guys know the drill. We go, we go to practice. Uh, if you're if uh, you're in the media, you watch practice, and then you you go down and you're led into the dressing room where you can talk to the players, get some interviews, and then we go to the uh, Oilers Hall of Fame room where Todd McClellan does about ninety percent of his media availabilities, and we can ask questions of the coach. And I, I had a question in mind, and quite frankly, I I was reluctant to ask it because it was a bit of a variation on a question the team has been being asked a lot this year which is kind of like oh well you're better than last year how does that feel what's what's going right and and, you know i think that's obviously they obviously are better than last year they're they're on a good pace to make the playoffs um 
and obviously the the players aren't looking back. They're they're looking ahead, which is fair enough. But but I thought you know it is game fifty of the season. They are going into the All Star break with a chance. Now a couple things would have to go their way. Uh, but they do have a chance to be in first place in the Pacific going into the break, depending on what happens tonight. The Sharks are playing uh, are playing Winnipeg, and the Oilers would have to win both their games. But but I mean they got a shot, and they're already in pretty good spot. So I, I wanted to I wanted to try to elicit a little bit of a, a different response from Todd McClellan as opposed to just like, well I'm happy where we are. And he he kind of gave me that he was kind of reluctant to fully answer it, but he did give a couple of details. And, and what I said was Todd. You know, things have been going well, and I know you're not satisfied, and I know there's work to do, but you've been through so many ups and downs this season, more ups than downs, but you started 7-1, and one, you dealt with a five-game losing streak, you dealt with a power play drought, you've been playing tons of overtime and shootout games lately. When you look at all that, when there clearly has been progress, what is it that you're most proud of? So here's Todd's full answer. When you ask the question, when I think about answering it, it's almost like we're at the finish line. Um, And I don't want to be at the finish line. I don't want to talk about finishing because I think we've got so much in front of us. Um, We had an event last night with the season ticket holders, and we talked about uncharted water, um, new experiences every time we play. It is for this organization. Um, This should be the standard. This should be what happens every year, and that's what we're trying to get to. Uh, where you're in the mix, you're um, winning more than you're losing. You have some ups and downs, but you're able to, to keep the downs a little bit shorter than in the past. Uh, players are evolving and developing. Um, this is what we're trying to create as a standard, but I don't think we've done that yet. We're, we still have a lot of work up in front of us uh, to pinpoint certain moments. Um, you know, I look at our record on the road perhaps is, is one of the biggest achievements. And I still go back to the uh, the ability to shrink the goals for and against. I think we were at 82 or 85 two years ago. And the only way we ever even get close to a playoff spot is to, to get that near or in that plus range. And to come down from 82 to a positive number is is a real feather in the cap to, to everybody that's involved. But the year isn't over. And we're in a... We're in a tough spot right now. We started in Calgary playing 12 of the next 16 on the road. And uh, we go to some tough buildings. We have a tough schedule. Um, we're going to have to grind it out. We're going to have to find ways to, to put points in the bank uh, throughout the next 15 games. So, I mean, I mean, he gave a couple of concrete things there, which, which I did find interesting. And that's what I was going for. I wasn't trying to say, like, hey, coach, it's successful. Nothing else matters. Because I don't think that as, as an observer. Certainly, there, there is a lot of work to do. But I thought, okay, you know, there's been a lot of well. You know, we're calmer, we're better. But I thought, what what are you at? What are you actually most proud of? And he did give a couple of specific things. The road record is thirteen seven and five, so that's been key. And for for a while, it was the road record that was keeping them in a playoff spot because they were five hundred or barely above at home for quite a while. And he mentioned the the work on the goal differential, and that's significant. And, and he hasn't talked about that a lot. Hasn't talked about that recently, but he certainly identified it as a goal going into the season. And and I know we talked about it on this show, and it's the product of other things, obviously. But there's some incredible progress there when you look at it. The Oilers finished the 14-15 season. Minus 85. 
in goal differential. Minus 85. Last year, they still had a really bad goal differential, even though they made a pretty significant improvement. I mean, half a goal per game is actually pretty good improvement. It's more of an indication of how far they had to go. They got up to minus 42 last year, a 43-goal improvement. Now, with this season not even being done, they're up to plus 13. So with the potential to make it even better, they've improved by 57 goals over last year. So when I asked Todd McClellan, what are you the most proud of? Well, yeah. I mean, if they keep going along at a decent pace here, we could be looking at, what, a 70-75 to goal improvement over last season if, if they're able to keep getting about this rate of uh, of a point percentage, you know, around 60% of their points. So, you know, more often winning than you're losing or getting, you know, an overtime loss instead of a regulation loss. So I found that pretty interesting. And that, and that is a pretty stunning number when you think of a 57-goal improvement and, and they're only 49 games into the season. It's 6.14. It's Inside Sports on 6.30. Chet, as I mentioned, we will have uh, Randy Chevre on the show later on to talk a little bit about Henry Burris, who retired today at the age of 41 in Ottawa, said he was uh, proud to bring the Great Cup back to the nation's capital. Just over three years ago, when we all came together uh, with that first press conference, and, uh, you know, myself, my family, uh, we all came to... Uh, you know, start new routes here in such a great city. The one thing we promised our faithful here was we were, we were here to win a great cup. And the fact that we delivered in such a short period of time in only three years is something that's, you know, just unheard of. By the way, is someone using a mixer in the background? Just over three years ago when we all came together uh, with that first press. Hey, could you bake that cake a little later? I'm trying to retire here. <laughs> all right, here's what we're going to do. Patrick, are you are you ready for are you ready for tonight's frivolous trivia question? I'm anxious. I'm hoping you didn't give too much away there in your. It's I, not related. It's I, kind of related. I don't. Yeah, I don't think I gave. Well, maybe I overhyped it. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be terrific. It's gonna be the best trivia question ever. Other people are gonna look at this trivia question and say, "Why can't I have such amazing trivia question?" But no, seriously, uh, I think I, I think it's gonna be fun because it goes. It, it's about the Oilers. And it's, uh, I, I just think it's one people will have fun guessing at. But you got to do it live on air. I'm going I'm to be mean about it. So 7804, what, what are we giving away? You get, you get a voucher to Oil Kings. To uh, any game, any regular season right, game. So you come to the station as yeah. soon as tomorrow, and we'll, uh, we'll give you a voucher, and then you can go cash it in for an Oil Kings game of your choice. And they do play, I believe, Prince George twice this weekend. So 7804960063. We'll get some people in line, and, and then I'll give the trivia question. You'll, you'll have to try to answer it live on air. Okay, here we go. Coming up after the break. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Cam Talbot having a great season for the Oilers. They'll be back at it tomorrow. Talbot expected to play against the Ducks, then we'll see who gets the call against the Sharks on Thursday. My name is Reed Wilkins. Great to have you along for the ride at 618. All right, so I'll just quickly tell you how this, this random question popped into my mind. There was a trade in the NHL today. I don't know if you saw it. It's not, it's not a blockbuster or anything. San Jose traded Tommy Wingles to Ottawa. 
The return in the deal was Buddy Robinson, a seventh-round pick in 2017, and a name I'm sure you'll be familiar with, Zach Stortini who last played in the NHL on October 8th, 2011, when he was a Nashville Predator against St. Louis. Prior to that, he was an Oiler. So I looked up some fighting stats. So the question is, and I'll, and I'll let you know the, the source for this after I give the after somebody gets it right. Who is the Oilers' all-time franchise leader in fighting majors? Linda, who is the Oilers' all-time franchise leader in fighting majors? Oh, my goodness. You got five seconds. I got five seconds. <laughs> um, Throw out the name of somebody who fought. <laughs> well, how about Jared Bull? That is not correct. This is the Oilers' franchise leader, not NHL all-time leader. The Oilers' NHL franchise leader in fighting majors. Mo, who is it? I wish I knew. I think it's more recent, but I'm going to say McSorley. It is not Marty McSorley. Ken, who is it? Ken, do we have you? Hello, Ken. I don't think we have Ken. All right, Rob, what's the answer? Dave Semenko. It is not Dave Semenko, Rob. That's a. You would think that's a good guess. Uh, a good guess. Dave Semenko, I can tell you, not even in the top five. Oilers' all-time franchise leader in fighting majors. Mark? Uh, Krushelnitsky. It's not Mike Krushelnitsky. Which lines are new people here, buddy? Uh, Three. Three. Norman is new. Norm, Oilers' franchise leader in fighting majors. Is it Corson? It is not Shane Corson. That's a good guess. He had a lot, considering he wasn't here very long, but he's 36th all-time with 14. Our old buddy Rocket is going to take a guess. Go ahead, buddy. Kevin McClellan. Is number three. Sam, who is it? Hello, Sam. Hi. Go ahead. Uh, George LaRock. George LaRock is number two. So we've had number three. We've had number two. Stortini is number four. Wow, this is tough. I'm going to have to start giving hints here. Uh, we got Barry on the line. Hello, Barry. How are you doing? Good. Kurt Brackenberry? It is not Kurt Brackenberry. That is an outstanding guest. Uh, Todd, who's the Oilers' all-time leader in fighting majors? Let's go with old school Dave Smanko. Somebody guessed Dave Semenko. He's eighth, Todd. Sorry about that. All right, Kirk. Hey, Kirk. Hi. Go ahead. Uh, Dave Brown. Another excellent guess. Dave Brown is 18th with 27 fights. Wow, I don't know if I should start giving hints or not. Scott, who do you say? How about Don Jackson? Another excellent guess, but unfortunately it is not Don Jackson. Uh, all right, we got another Dave on the line. Go ahead, Dave. How is it Kevin Lowe? It is not Kevin Lowe. Uh, he is 34th. He only had 15 fighting majors. Who's next here? I'm losing track, Patrick. Three, four, five, six, take them in a row. So we got Barry. All right, Barry, come on, buddy. Come through for me. Oh, man, this is a toughie. <laughs> uh, Dave Hunter. Not Dave Hunter. 
Good try, though. Well, I thought somebody would have guessed this this gentleman by now, just by a random guess. Is this Dale? Yeah, Paul Co- Paul Coffee. No, it's not Paul Coffee. Might might be second fastest skater to McDavid, but uh, not Paul Coffee. Manny on the line. Manny, who has had the most fighting majors in the NHL history of the Oilers? Dave Lomley. Not Dave Lomley. Uh, where is Lomley? He's 16th. K-Jam, you, please come through for me, K-Jam. I got to throw one out there, and this may be just sort of based on the length of his career. Is it Mark Messier? It's not Mark Messier. Good try, though. This guy was an Oiler for quite a while. Uh, have we done line two? We want to do line one with Kirk. Okay. Hey, Kirk. They guessed everything that I would have picked already. Well, throw a name out there of a guy who liked to fight and wasn't afraid to take anybody on. Oh, Book Boom Manson. I don't know. No. Richardson. Both. All good guesses. Wow, this is, this is great. I, I actually feel like a really bad man. Are we on two or four? We're on two with Ron. Hello, Ron. Go ahead. Is it the great one, the Gretzky? No, no, it's not Gretzky. Dell, what's your answer? Kelly Buckberger. Yes! Absolutely, Dell. Now, did you look that up or did you know it? I guessed it. Is this the Dell that calls Jespo all the time? No. Okay. Well, that's good because I'd probably argue with that guy. Uh, all right, now, so at what point did you figure that was going to be your guess? Well, after the, all the other big names kind of went, I kind of figured Kelly Brookberg had been around a long time and had a lot of fighting majors, so it's just a guess. And early in his, well, pretty much throughout his career, but there were a couple years especially where he would not turn anybody down. Like, exactly. uh, all right, here's the top five, Del Bookberger, 138. Larac 97, McClellan 92, Stortini 80, and DeBrusque 72. That's the top five. Did anybody guess Louie? I don't think anybody guessed Louie. No. no, I don't think so. All right, Dell, can you hang on the line? Because uh, we're going to give the, uh, we need your info, and then you can come pick up the Oil Kings voucher, okay, buddy? Sounds good. All right. Well, there it was. Me doing my best impression of a horrible person. <laughs> I'd be a horrible game show host because, like, Family Feud, the topics would be like, uh, we asked five people, name the five least common toe funguses. I guess I'd be fungi. All right. Well, that was good. Kelly Bookberger at uh, 138 fights as an oiler. The uh, leading current oiler, by the way, is Matt Hendricks. He has 23 fights as an Edmonton oiler. Whew. A little tired. Oh, wow. The text line is just lighting up. <laughs> I didn't even look at the text line. Uh, unfortunately, we don't... Well, we rarely give away stuff over the uh, the text line. Sorry, guys. Who does... Somebody guessed Randy Gregg. <laughs> he could beat him up, and then he could repair you. All right. Uh, here's what we're going to do. Uh, we got... Uh, we got Randy Chevrolet coming up. We have John Garrett on the show, former NHL goaltender. And speaking of uh, ties to the Oilers, John Garrett, now a, a TV commentator, obviously does mostly Canucks games, had his 
had an award taken out of his pocket by Wayne Gretzky at the 1983 All-Star Game. So he's going to tell that story. The Oilers getting ready to go into California. Once again, here's Coach McClellan. They're big games. I'm not going to downplay the fact that that we're not playing uh, a couple teams that are right in front of us in the standings. Um, But I sure don't have to march into the locker room and announce it either. The guys know. And, um, you know, we have a lot of respect for those two teams. They've won a lot of games and and played well, gone deep into the playoffs. Um, So for us to play well against them would be a a nice um, send-off, if you will, into the the All-Star break. And that's, that's the goal of ours. All right, and of course, Connor McDavid will be sticking around in California for the All-Star festivities in Los Angeles. Once again, Coach McClellan. Connor's a little bit different um, in the sense that he's been around a lot of these players already in some way, shape, or form. World Cup, uh, um, you know, different events, uh, World Juniors, um, the, the rookie um, media coverage thing. Like, there's... It's, he's not a hidden rookie. He's not a surprise rookie going there. So he's going to carry himself well. want him to enjoy it. These star players that, that go to these events, there's so much pressure on them every night to perform. They never get a chance to just go somewhere and breathe and enjoy it. Um, just go and enjoy it and, and meet people and, and uh, take in the whole event. Find some time for a little bit of rest. Uh, do what you do on the ice, but, but zero stress. No stress at all. Well, hopefully, yeah, the All-Star uh, weekend, no stress for Connor McDavid. Uh, pretty uh, pretty fun fun weekend. Busy night in the NHL. The Flames are back in action. We'll update that scoreboard when we get back, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, what it was like to be a teammate of Randy Bur- or of Randy Burris, of Henry Burris, with Randy Chevrier. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Mark Letestu, 10 goals on the season, doing pretty well, chipping in on special teams. Inside Sports on 630 Chad. Just want to update the NHL scoreboard before we get to the Henry Burris story. The Flames back in action tonight. They are trailing the Montreal Canadiens after the first period. This batch of games in the second period. Blues up 1-0 on the Penguins. Columbus and the Islanders tied 1-1. The Kings, 3-0 lead over the Devils. The Red Wings and the Bruins tied 2-2. After the first period, Senators 2, Capitals nothing. In the first period, Predators 1, Sabres nothing. Sharks and the Jets are tied 1-1. Can the Jets help out the Oilers tonight? I'm skeptical, but we'll see. Lightning and Blackhawks just getting underway. Wild and Stars will start in about two minutes. All right. And uh, you can get more on the Oilers, by the way, by going to 630ched.com. Well, Henry Burris, as uh, I think we kind of uh, expected the way it would go, did decide to retire today at the age of 41. Third on the CFL's career list in passing yards and touchdowns. Three-time Grey Cup champion, two-time Outstanding Player Award winner, and uh, a guy who sometimes divided fans. What was it like to play with him? Well, I'm pleased to welcome to the show former CFL long snapper, most of his career with the Calgary Stampeders and Henry Burris. It's Randy Chevrier. Randy, you're back on with Reed. How are you doing, man? Great, I'm great. How are you today? It's good to talk to you. The, the last time we talked was, uh, I, I think it was before the division finals in the playoffs, so I haven't really been in touch with you uh, about the Grey Cup. 
So before we talk specifically about Burris, uh, I, I mean, when you're watching that game, do you just kind of turn into a fan and you're just going along for the for the ride of what turned out to be a wild overtime finish? Yeah, no, absolutely. I was in the stands there at uh, Demo Field in Toronto, and uh, it was a great atmosphere and, and just a, a great night for a game. It wasn't too cold, and, and uh, you know, it was, it was a perfect night for a game, and I tell you. Uh, what an entertaining game that was. Obviously, I spent a lot of time in Calgary, and I know a lot of guys on that team, and Calgary were the odds-on favorite to win that. But, uh, you know, uh, you're talking about the man, Henry Burris. Well, uh, if there was ever a game that can uh, define uh, a guy and, and what a game to end on, it was that one. Because as a fan of the game, uh, of the CFL in particular, not just football, I mean, you you, you, can't, you couldn't have asked for anything better. The biggest game, the biggest stage, and, and, and a, you know, a nail-biting, entertaining game right up until the end. You know, you, uh, after playing a couple seasons with the Eskimos, you, you obviously joined the Stampeders uh, for 2005, which, which turned out to be <laughs> eventually a good year for the Eskimos. But uh, what what are your some of the, well I, I guess first of all like in your position would you have a lot of interaction with the quarterback or, or just did you get to know Hank just because you were teammates for such a long time how would you describe your relationship with him Yeah no definitely uh, I got to know Hank uh, well in the locker room not that I had uh, much interaction with him um, on the field because you know in long snapping and playing defensive line, especially early in my career in Calgary, I was mostly with the defensive guys or special teams. But, you know, Henry was a guy that um, he was very gregarious. Uh, he was with everyone in the locker room. I mean, uh, uh, not just in the locker room, but even out of the locker room. You know, he was friendly to everyone. And uh, he wanted to be a leader, uh, and he wanted to get to know everyone that he was going to battle with. And, you know, uh, Henry was that guy. I mean, uh he uh, he he was all over the room. So you know, even if I didn't play with him very much, uh, definitely had tons of opportunity uh, to interact with Hank. And uh, you know, uh, it, it's uh, you know his his career, his retirement. Uh, again, as I mentioned, comes on the heels of of you know I, I think one of the greatest uh, performances that we we've seen by a CFL quarterback in in, uh, in recent memory for sure. You know, it's funny you mentioned the gregariousness, and he he won a lot of games in his career, and he was called Smiling Hank because he he had that outgoing personality, and it's kind of a can't win situation for for athletes sometimes because fans always say, why don't they show personality? But then sometimes the guys who do show personality <laughs> get criticized for it. What did you think of the Smiling Hank moniker? You know, was was that fair? Did you think that? Uh, you know, some people were too hard on him about that sometimes, or how how do you look at that? Yeah, you know, Henry was a genuine guy. Um, he treated everyone equally. That's the thing, and I, and I truly say that uh, not just because he was my teammate, and, and I know him. Like you know, I I've played with many guys, and I, uh, there's some guys that you know because they play pro sports, they feel a certain sense of entitlement. Uh, uh, as far as uh, themselves as being kind of on top of the pedestal in relation to uh, the common folk, let's say. Uh, but Henry's not like that, not by a million years. You know, he treats you the same if you were his teammate, if you were a coach, if you were a groundskeeper, if you were a janitor, if you were a guy uh, serving him food at the restaurant. And that is a true statement about Henry Burris. He genuinely treated everyone with respect. So, uh, you know, I think... 
the smiling Hank moniker, uh, I, I think that's a compliment to him. Uh, you know, uh, there was a time when people uh, dubbed him the Hank or the Frank, and I, I, I don't think that that's very fair because he is a very successful quarterback. And, you know, uh, if you're living under the microscope, as most quarterbacks do, as the head uh, and the lead of each franchise, every step you take is going to be criticized. And because Henry put him out, so, out himself out there with everyone, I think it, it not that he invited it, but it definitely uh, made it easier to pick on him. You know, uh, I also played with Ricky Ray in Edmonton, who's another fantastic guy and another fantastic quarterback, but he was more quiet, more reserved. You know, he stuck with his guys, and it, even in public, he was, you know, very, very reserved person. So you couldn't really get a beat on him and really there's there's nothing you could say about him whereas you know if someone had a little issue with with the way henry uh spoke or something he said then if he had a bad game then it would they'd magnify that and and they'd attack him so i I think a lot of uh sort of the negative press he got was 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 unfair i mean you got to remember this is still uh, a person this is still uh someone who has a family to go home to but again um I think one thing I also know about Hank is, is people's, um, I guess what they call the word hate, uh, was fuel for him. And, uh, you know, I would say that, again, this past season, uh, there was no more evidence of that, uh, that he used a, kind of a lot of uh, negative things that were said about him, and he really fueled it uh, or used it as fuel to, to, to his performance. Now, uh, I can relate to that in a sense because, you know, as, a, as an athlete for – 16 years I felt like I've always had to prove something or I've always had to prove people wrong and uh, it, it, it wears on you it wears on you and, and especially if you play as long as you know like Henry did or I did uh, it starts becoming you and even I came to realization uh, a few months ago you know after my season ended with the Rough Riders I said you know I gotta start in my next life proving people right about me instead of worrying about the people that I have to prove wrong because it can be an un an unhealthy obsession trying to prove everyone wrong about you if they say something that doesn't agree with or with you. Randy Chevrier joining us inside sports on six thirty. Chad with some memories of, of Henry Burris. And, and you know what, Randy, I'm gonna I'm gonna apologize a bit here because uh, I'm gonna ask you a couple questions that might sound they have, like they have a bit of a negative slant. But but that was a that was a really good answer. And and I, and I think sometimes those answers are more revealing than if I just asked you about all the good times uh, mm-hmm. or the positive things that happened to Henry. And and, 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 and you're right. Be, uh, nobody nobody ever said good Ricky or bad Ricky or good Lule or bad Lule, even though right. they all had bad games. But for Hank got slapped with that, and maybe it was because of his outgoing personality. Uh, and, and like any quarterback who plays a long time, he had bad nights. I mentioned you guys joined in 2005, or you joined Calgary in 2005. That was a tough end of your season because you guys had the Eskimos down and they came back and you guys had some fumbles and all that kind of stuff. There were other disappointments along the way. There were also some really good seasons. But tell me, give me some insight into how Henry handled the 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 bad performances because certainly as the quarterback he had some show some leadership and sometimes if it was a playoff disappointment he's coming back months later. And everybody's probably looking, okay, how's he going to carry himself after not quite getting to where he wanted at the end of last year? Well, I mean, if you, I guess if you look at the, his body of work, you have to say he handled himself uh, very well. Because um, 
if you think about it, you know, winning in in pro sports is such a such a rare uh, act. I mean, uh, even the greats only have how many how many great cups does does uh, Anthony Calvillo have? Three. Yep. Uh, Two right at the Ricky, end. Yeah. How many does Ricky have? Three. Uh, yep. Uh, Hank is right up there with two, and I mean, uh, if you look, they're all batting the same average when it comes to to uh, to Grey Cups, right? Uh, you know, you're gonna deal with disappointment no matter who you are, and however you get to the end of the season and lose a game, you're still getting to the same result unless you win. And uh, you know, none of those guys that that didn't get any sort of uh, negative press, uh, you know. They've had to deal with and react in the same ways, but you know, if, if you if you mention some of the other quarterbacks that may have won uh, some Grey Cups uh, that haven't had as long or as an illustrious career, uh, you you got to think that Henry handled it pretty well to be so resilient for so long, and uh, you know. Uh, actually, Hank has three great cups. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, two as a starter, and he was on, he was on the Calgary roster in '98. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and but just to think, you know, to 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 win one at the age that he wins it at, that that's pretty spectacular. So yeah, I'm sure in the in the in the micro moments of having to react to a loss or maybe tossing a ball that he would like back, uh, it didn't go his way. But you know, he, he's not only dealing with. Um, his own personal, um, I, I guess, uh, imperfections that he sees on film. I mean, he's being scrutinized by everyone all the time because, you know, the quarterback is the highest paid guy. So he's the guy that you have the most expectations of. So I'm sure what, what quarterbacks and he dealt with is a lot more than most even regular professional athletes deal with. He had that moment during this season where during a halftime interview, he basically said to the TSN panel, "Like, shut up! I'm going to go out there and <laughs> like." When you saw that, did did you did you think that's Henry's fuel? Did you think maybe that was poorly timed, or because uh, you? I think you'd probably have a different perspective on that as a as an athlete as opposed to the people watching it. I know. Again, I I think it's 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 what I said uh, before. I said, you know, Henry uh, made a career of of trying to prove people wrong, especially later on, you know, when yeah. when uh, I think when uh, he got traded from Calgary and uh, maybe even that season before where kind of the, the pendulum was swinging away from him and he probably still wanted to be here, I think that chip started developing pretty, pretty thick. And then he just made it his mission to prove everyone wrong about himself. And, uh, you know, I don't think that... Uh, what happened in that moment was was anything that was uh, differing from what he'd been kind of building towards the last couple of years. But like I said, I mean, I've I've been in the same boat. You know, I've I've uh, my spent my whole career. You know, I started as a defensive tackle and 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 then trying to prove people that I can play. And then when I was just a long snapper, it, you know, yeah, I had built up a little chip on my shoulder that you know what these guys don't think I can do anything, so every chance I'll get, I'll prove them wrong. And then when they brought in other long snappers, the chip gets bigger and you just want to prove people wrong. And, you know, maybe even last year, me going to play for the Rough Riders, you know, when my career ended with Calgary, was me saying, you know what, I can still prove to you guys that I can do this. And and as I said, you know, it, it becomes an unhealthy obsession because then you look 
you look, it becomes your makeup of trying to prove people wrong. And, right. and, and, and along the way, you're paying attention to the wrong people. You're paying attention to the, to the people that are saying you can't do things versus all the people your whole life that told you you're good at this or this is what you're good at. But all you hear is the, the negative press. And I'm not saying that's when, what Henry is or has done in the last few years, but I feel like I can empathize with, you know what, people are saying you can't do it anymore. All right, I'm going to go out and do it again. And, uh, I mean, it, it, it worked. It worked for him. I believe it worked for me to keep me right. going so long. But at some point, it gets tiring. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a great answer, Randy. I appreciate you sharing that. I've asked you a lot about Henry's uh, attitude and how he dealt with stuff and, and his personality, which, which I find really interesting. But let me ask you, just from a physical standpoint, what allowed him to be such a good player for, for so long? Arm strength? You know, athleticism, you know, whatever. Give me, give me some insight into that. Uh, you know what? I think he was a prototype uh, CFL quarterback. Um, he could run. He could drop back and throw the deep ball. Um, he was, you know, he stayed healthy. That's like a huge thing. I mean, I think I only remember him getting hurt the one season in 2008 when his shoulder, uh, when he kind of popped his shoulder or something when he got hit out of bounds by Zeke Moreno. And he still came back and played the rest of that season, uh, albeit you know in limited action. But other than that, he's been healthy most of his career. I, I don't think I've ever heard of him being knocked out or dinged up. I mean, he had he got he got hurt in in pregame warmup before the Grey Cup and still came out and played. Uh, so you know his physical resiliency is probably uh, the the most um, I guess prominent. Uh, skill that he had, but I mean everything else. I mean, you play that long. He's a student of the game. Uh, he started off, uh, you know, backing up uh, guys like Jeff Garcia and, and 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 superstars in the CFL, right? And and you know, he just learned. And he had uh, you know coaches teaching him like George Cortez and and John Huffnagel and and working with Dave Dickinson. So, you know, he just had the right package, and he was in the right places and. He played well, and, uh, you know, he made plays a lot of times when there was nothing to be made, and, you know, I, I just, uh, you know, he just was a complete package. And, you know, it's not that he couldn't play anymore. Like, let's remember, he went out on top. Uh, he's a year removed from winning the, the MOP of the league, and he was a great cup MVP this year. I mean, there's nothing to say that Henry Burris can play another five years if he actually wanted to. But, uh, again, you know, uh, looking to the future, I guess, uh, you know, I'm, for him, and I hope for him and his family, which I know well, uh, they have some great opportunities. Uh, I, I do want to share you a story, though, because yeah. I, I got to say, I uh, I caught a Henry Burris touchdown pass in the game, and for a defensive lineman uh, that uh, that plays mainly on special teams, that that's probably pretty rare. But uh, we had a we had a play designed where I was like on a jumbo goal line package against Saskatchewan. And every time we ran the play all year, all Henry did was run it. It was designed. He booted out to the right. I hit a defensive end, and then I turned around and looked for a pass. But I never, ever caught a ball. Like, it was just in practice, he never threw it to me. And then all of a sudden, we're in the game. I hit my guy. I turn around, and the ball is, like, right at my face. Like, I had <laughs> I had nothing else I could do except stick my hands up there and pray to God that it's stuck in my fingers. And, and I got my first uh, uh, touchdown pass, one of two in CFL, but uh, it's pretty cool that I know that I'll have caught a touchdown pass from a Hall of Famer. 
Randy, I'm so glad you shared that. All right, I'm tight for time, so i got to limit you to uh, 10 seconds. Who wins the Super Bowl and why? Uh, you know what? <clears throat> my, my, my brain is saying Patriots, but I'm going to go Falcons because I just think they're hungry, they're the underdog, and I bet you uh, come game time everyone's going to still say Patriots, so I'm just going to go for the underdog. Randy, we got to do this again. I love having you on the show. Thank you so much for your time tonight, buddy. Thanks so much, Reed. Have a great night. We'll see you around. Randy Chevrier, check it in tonight. Sharing memories of being a teammate with Henry Burris in Calgary. Great stuff. We're back with Steph Radzinski. Yeah, we're going to update that racing story that went really well. This is Oscar Clefbaum from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to the Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Shad. So a couple of weeks ago, we brought a local race car driver, Steph Radzinski, on the show a couple of times. He was trying to win a, a fan vote to go compete in the race of champions uh, in Miami. And thanks to a lot of you who listen, I mean, the 14 votes from the inside sports listeners clearly made a difference. He, he got to go, and uh, I think it went pretty well. Steph's on the line right now. Hey, buddy, how's it going? Uh, it's been it's been amazing. It's, I'm still over the moon about it. I got back last night. Uh, just been busy today, trying to kind of trying to thank everybody who got me there. Uh, it wasn't possible without you. And, and and I remember I remember it was a very defining moment in the campaign uh, when I was on the phone with you because I think we were about 700 votes behind. And then by the time we finished our interview, we were about like two or 300 votes behind or something. It was a big jump. Uh, and it just took off from there, and we ended up with over 9,300 votes. So thanks, Edmonton. Thanks, Alberta, Canada, anyone listening. Um, it was incredible. And I know once I was there, I just didn't want to be the Facebook vote guy. <laughs> I knew <laughs> right. I knew I could do it, right? You know, I, I didn't want to be I didn't want to be just um, you know out of out of place. So to win two of my three races was uh, I was happy with that. I, I, I think I could have went three for three. I made a little mistake. Um, but I guess you know that's what happened. So, so you won two. So so you were basically the best guy at the event then. Um, well, there were some other guys who had a good run. Sebastian Vettel won it for Team Germany alone. He was driving a lot because Pascal Verlein, his uh, teammate, uh, was uh, sent home after Saturday. I think uh, yeah, they were just a precautionary. He had a big crash. Okay. Um, so he drove a lot, and I think he ended up winning for Germany driving all alone. Where. I was on a team with Hinch, um, and, and James didn't have the best luck in the final final race he needed to win um, to take us through. But he had a car got stuck in gear, and he couldn't he couldn't change gear. So unfortunately, that knocked us out. Um, so we didn't get to go to the semifinals. But uh, man, I, I would have loved to do that. That would have been a hell of a story. Uh, it's also why I'm kind of kicking myself because I lost that one race by one tenth of a second. Oh, jeez, Kyle Busch. Okay. Uh, so what kind of cars were you driving again? Was it a variety, or what, what were you doing here? Variety of cars, yeah. So there was eight different cars, and you're on a head-to-head track inside of, inside of Marlins Park, which is a baseball stadium. They built the track in seven days. It has, like, a crossover section, so you drive. There's an A loop and a B loop. You drive both loops, and you come to the finish line at the same time, and you're going head-to-head against the best in the world. Um, so I had a pretty good record. Beat the current Indy 500 champion. I beat the ex Formula One driver and two-time global rallycross champion Scott Speed. Um, so it was good, um, but I would have loved to make it a hat trick and, and, and take down Kyle Busch. And unfortunately, it just wasn't meant to be. Okay, so what's next for you, Steph? Uh, for now, I'm going to be competing in the Micro Cup again in support of the Touchet Group, uh, which is what the series I've raced in the last couple of years. But obviously, like my 
that you know my doors are open to, to racing and competing at a higher level. I, I think I think this weekend I proved I can, can I can compete with the best. It's a matter of getting the opportunity. So uh, I want to race internationally. I want to race at the highest level possible. I know it takes patience. It takes a lot of luck, and a lot of things need to go your way to get opportunities. Opportunities in the sport. It's not like all the other sports necessarily where you just have talent and you get picked up. But I'm hoping I, I had the world watching. So hopefully somebody noticed. Hopefully someone will give me a call. Uh, I really want to take this as far as I can and, and take it to the top level. So thank you, everyone, who voted. Um, you gave me a chance that really I, I never never dreamed of, um, and it was the best weekend of my life so far. Well, Steph, you did a great job representing Edmonton for sure. I know everybody was uh, happy to get on board, and I know we're going to be in touch, so uh, so keep in touch. And, of course, you'll be on the show again, buddy. All the best, okay? Um, thanks so much, Reed. Stefan Radzinski joining us inside sports on 630. Chet did a great job, race of champions in Miami. We got a break for the news. John Garrett with a tale of all-star games past. 630 Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on 630 Chad.